Today we are speaking with the versatile musical artist Dr. Patsy Torres, a San Antonio native that has taken Tejano music around the world. In later years she found that her talents were not just in music and performing, but in making a connection with young people and began to tour the country inspiring millions of children about the importance of education and staying on the right path. There is so much more to say about Patsy, but let's hear it in her own words. Each time this year we, we talk about or we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, but for you personally, what, what does that mean to you? It means to me recognizing, you know, where you come from, our culture, because of course, being American, we're, we're all, you know, we're from all over the world. And in my case, uh, my father came with his father from Mexico, so I am half Mexican. In fact, I do have my dual citizenship. <laughs> I have my Mexican passport and my American passport. My mother was American, and she was German, English, Irish, Scotch, Jewish. <laughs> wow. So I, I'm proud of that side also, of course. But of course, with the last name Torres and, and with my uh, olive skin, you know, we're considered Latina Hispanic, of course. Right. I record Spanish music, Tejano music, which is actually Texas music. So it's a way of showing our culture. It's, it's a Tex-Mex, Tex-Mex American. You can't get more Latino American than that, than our Tejano music. Because it, it's our music. Kind of like countries where it appeals to the whole family, all ages, you know. Mm -hmm. All little children, they love cumbias. And you'll see the abuelita, which is a grandmother or grandfather, sitting there with a the little two-year-old on their lap, and the little two-year-old is moving to the music just as much as the grandfather, mother or grandfather. Right. So it's it's a beautiful genre. I'm proud to be part of it. I'm actually recording my 19th album, and uh, excited about the new music. I write a lot of my own original stuff. So being able to write in Spanish and and give messages also of my culture. Talk about growing up in San Antonio. What was the, you know, the family uh, unit like and what was it like for you growing up in San Antonio? On the, I guess, was it the west side of San Antonio? It was more downtown uh, where we grew up. My grandfather was a medical doctor and my father joined the army. As soon as he was old enough, he joined the army. My mother was from Grants Pass, Oregon. She joined the army. They met in Japan when they were both around 19, and they fell in love, and they got married in Japan, and they made me in Japan. So I always say I was made in Japan. <laughs> I always say my father wanted a Sony, but he got a girly. <laughs> and then they came back here, and I was born here in San Antonio. I would, I would have been Japanese if I'd been moved if I'd been born over there. I mean, can you imagine an American? mother, Mexican father, and then I would be born in Japan. <laughs> like, too confusing. Yeah. So I was born here. Um, I had a good childhood. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really aware of prejudice or anything until I got much older and started traveling in my 20s. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, San Antonio was just so friendly and open. Uh, my father always spoke English because he wanted to perfect the English language. Um, my mother was stayed at home and took care of us. There was five of us. So I was the oldest of five. Mm -hmm. So I was the big sister. Uh, we were just very um, athletic. 
I had a horse by the time I was 11 years old, so I had horses, you know, riding and breaking them. And for most of my, all my childhood, I had horses. I still love horses. (laughs) So I was a really good rider. Got into music uh, by playing trumpet because my sister played saxophone and I wanted to get out of class like she did for band camp and pep rallies. So I said, I'll play anything. I don't care. I just want to get out of class. (laughs) My grandfather had a trumpet in his closet because my grandfather the doctor loved music and he just had like a whole collection of instruments and I picked the trumpet started playing the trumpet got into the band that led to making a little group and it wasn't until afterwards that we had the group and we actually made it started making money and the group After graduation, some of the guys went to the military. My sister got married and left. New guys came in, older guys, decided they didn't need a brass section. They were going to get one keyboard player and just get rid of all the five brass players. So I was on the chopping block. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, no, because I was just starting college. I was going to go to pre-med because I wanted to be a doctor like my grandfather, Dr. Torres. And I I was like, oh, my gosh, this is how I'm going to pay my my apartment what am I going to do so they said well maybe if you could sing we'll keep you in for a little bit we'll see how it goes because a lot of these groups are having girl singers now so let's see how it goes Mm -hmm. that's how I started I never thought never thought it would lead to me being a professional singer songwriter recording you know doing what I'm doing right and it's it's gotten me my music has gotten me so many things to be thankful for. I've traveled the world because of my music. I've got a college, university education because of my music. I've met the most incredible people, had the most incredible experiences all through my music. And then also the chance to to express myself by writing my music. You, I believe, are one year younger than my mother, and my mother grew up you know, in San Antonio, she went to. Bur- oh, she did. Yeah, went to Burbank High School and lived over there near Frio City and Brazos and right in that area. So, she told me that at least what she saw from her grand from her father, which which is my grandfather, that you know he was basically like you know we stay in our little area of town. We don't go to the Anglo more affluent parts. Um, you know, and she, my mother said that they were not allowed to speak Spanish in school and stuff. I mean, did you notice any of that growing up, in, at least in your area that you grew up? No. Uh, well, my, my father told me about it. He went to Jefferson High School. I went to Jefferson High School, too. But, uh, yeah, that the, there was prejudice, mm-hmm. and they didn't like him speaking Spanish. But my father started playing. He was a very good musician. He played the jazz piano. He started playing jazz piano for a contest at school and then all of a sudden he became popular and they didn't care that he was Mexican anymore. But uh, I went to Catholic school so I really didn't experience any kind of prejudice at Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. growing up. Of course, you know, former San Antonio Mayor Henry Cisneros. um, Sure. He, back in 1994, I believe, uh, he gave a speech and I think at that time he was the HUD secretary with, you know, President Clinton. And he, I want to play a, a clip of that and get your opinion of, of what he said. Oh, okay. I have on occasion said that one of the things that will be different about the United States of the next century as against today 
you took a snapshot of the year 2020, let us say, or 2025, roughly 30 years from now, and a snapshot of today, one of the dramatic differences will be the Hispanic presence in all aspects of American life. I have called it the Hispanization of the United States, and some people have assumed that that means the United States is going to become a Hispanic country. Not at all. Or that it will become a country where Hispanics are the largest minority. Well, that may be numerically, but I'm not sure that that's going to be a, the dominant fact of life in America. There are a lot of changes that are going to occur, but one of them is this increasing presence, visibility, role of Hispanic Americans. What are your thoughts on what he predicted, you know, almost 30 years ago and, and where we are right now? Uh, I don't think we're where he wanted us to be because I think there was so much talk about it back then. You know, they were talking about, oh, there's going to be this big presence. There's going to be so much, you know, the population is going to be so much higher now, much more Latinos. I think it got a lot of people panicking. And it was almost like uh, a contra to it. Like, uh-oh, can't let that happen, <laughs> you know? Right. And so I think that's kind of what's been happening, all that talk about, oh, you know, we're going to progress, we're going to be, we're going to do this, we're going to grow, and it just seems like, oh, no, you're not. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a feeling I have. Okay. But at the same time, the only way to get through that is through education, and knowledge and training and voting you know so and and I encourage all the time everyone I talk to on my Facebook I talk to them about going back to school and educate educating themselves and and researching on the internet not believing all the stuff that's on there going back to when you were getting started in music you know who were some of your you know influences who were who were you listening to back then Oh, I was listening to Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and Madonna and uh, Journey and Van Halen and Pat Benatar, you know, all of them. That was my influences. And when the band started making me sing, I was singing cover tunes. Mm -hmm. and, but then when I got discovered, only six months after I started singing, just six months of singing one song a night, I got discovered. Next thing I know, they're putting me on a record, which back then was a record, mm -hmm. vinyl, right. <laughs> 45. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not even a singer. I remember I was so scared. But I'm a trumpet player that's going to be a doctor. I'm not a singer. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I mean, they pay for everything. And next thing I know, they're playing me on the radio. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe I was going to do this. I just... Felt like okay, well, you know, they're I'm starting to get endorsements and sponsorships, and you know, they're paying to hear me sing. I'm like, well, this will pay for college. So I, I didn't have had no idea how long it would actually last. Right, and was I it in an English I, song or was it in Spanish or, or? Well, the first the ones they made me record were Spanish okay. and Tejano, and that's what really introduced me to Tejano. Well, I, I knew Tejano before because, but I played Tejano on my trumpet. I never sang it. Mm -hmm. So I played Little Joe and Sonny and Augustine, I mean, all that stuff, I played it on my trumpet because we were a cover band because we had a male singer. Uh -huh. I only sang one song a night just to keep me in the band. 
and I would play my horn, and then they had the keyboard player would play like all the chords, and I'd play along with him because I'd rather play my horn than sing. <laughs> I said I'll sing, but I still, I still let me do my horn. Was it that you, you, you didn't really see yourself as a singer? You didn't feel that you were? No, not at all. Okay. I had, I mean, the only reason I was in the band was to pay for my college because I I'd left home. I was mm -hmm. on my own. I had a little apartment by the by San Antonio College. Uh -huh. I was paying my own bills, my you know my food, everything, my books. And so after so, recording, you know, that first song, and you got a record. I mean, how did it progress from there? It just it's it's so weird. It just it just kept going. Uh, a publicist. Next thing I know, they're they're doing interviews with me. They're putting me on the radio. In fact, Henry Cisneros heard me on the radio talking about that that I wanted to be a doctor and I was going to college at the time and playing in the band. And they he was doing the Texas War on Drugs. Say no to drugs. Say no to drugs. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, can you come and start speaking to the kids, like on career day. And I started doing that, and that's when I found I had a connection with speaking with kids and getting through to them. And that grew into a program I later made called the Positive Force Tour, where I toured high schools, all not only just the whole state of Texas, but Arizona, uh, New Mexico, Kansas, Idaho. I went all over the place playing in high schools with my band, a whole production with dancers, skits, special effects, fog, pyrotechnics, everything. And changing, actually just making a difference with the kids. Talking about uh, gangs and drugs and uh, peer pressure and AIDS, staying in school, prejudice, bullying, and faith. I wanted to be a pediatrician. That was my plan. That's what my grandfather wanted. Right. I wanted to be like him. Everybody loved him. He had healing hands. He was just so wonderful person. Just he made a difference. He healed people. I mean, all my life he's the only doctor I ever had. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd always make me well. You know, I just I loved him so much. But the funny thing is, when I graduated with my degree, my science degree, and decided, okay, uh, I can't do both anymore. It's it's too rough. I, you know, because. I would finish a gig at four o'clock in the morning, and then I'd have a 7.30 a.m. inorganic chemistry class. Wow. I mean, I, I, had, a, I had a room, uh, a guy that sat next to me in class, he, he called me vulture eyes, because I'd come in with bloodshot eyes. He would tease me. <laughs> I don't remember him. He's a doctor now, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he is a medical doctor. <laughs> and does part of you, you know, Looking back, you know, I know you've had a you know wonderful music career and you've done great things, you know, working with kids and, and inspiring them, but does part of you still wish you had been a doctor? You know what? Uh, what happened was I was, uh, at that time when I sat, I sat down with my grandfather when I graduated, because I, I, I knew if he told me, okay, Patsy, you know, now you got your degree, you need to go on, you know, it's time to get serious with the with the school. I was ready to just drop the music. But you know what he said? He said, Chiquitita, you have a God-given gift. You, you make a difference. You do preventative medicine. You're like a doctor of the soul. You need to sing. 
Wow. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. He told me that because I was doing the work with the kids. And so I, I, I said, oh, wow. So I, I just had that one science degree and I went full force into the, into the music. Mm-hmm. And I was doing great with the music. And at one point I was, I was playing at the Santa Rosa. I was doing a speech and I sang for the kids and talked to them at the hospital. And these were cancer children. Mm-hmm. And I had them smiling and laughing and singing with me and everything. And I mean, they were all sick with cancer. So, and I talked like I did, like I am with you. I talked about my grandfather and, and I had the regret in my voice, like, oh, I should have been here, you know? So a doctor came up to me after my speech and he said, Patsy, it's great what you just did. I was, oh, thank you, thank you. And, oh, you really touched the kids. I was, thank you. Goes, but I noticed the regret when you were talking about your grandfather that, you know, that you should have been a doctor. And I said, yes. So this was the doctor talking to me. And he said, let me tell you this. He goes, I've been a doctor for 25 years and I do my best to help these children. What you just did now and the smiles you put on their face and what you did, said, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm. And I was like, wow. Sometimes God sends people to tell us things you know when we have when we have that in our heart that we're not sure what we're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. but then to top it off i get a call from the university of incarnate word and they said patsy can you come and do commercials for us we can only pay you with semester hours not with money and i was like yeah sure hey i'll go take some classes why not went and took a couple classes oh i just loved it my mind just absorbed it. I was like, oh, it just felt good to be learning and reading, you know, Mm -hmm. and studying. And they said, hey, um, would you like to get a degree here? And I was like, really? He goes, we'll give you a scholarship. Just keep doing stuff for us. You know, just do these these events and sing for us and represent us. I said, okay. So I got a master's in education from them, a scholarship. I mean, how... What a blessing is that? So I graduated with a 4.0. Wow. And they said, Patsy, we think you should go on for your PhD. I was like, what? (laughs) We'll give you a scholarship. Just keep doing what you're doing. I was like, oh my gosh. So Christopher, I went back and I was about to finish my PhD when one of my classmates said, hey, how's it going to feel when they call you Dr. Taurus. (laughs) And I said, oh my gosh, God's making my dream come true. Right. I'm a, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm like a doctor of the soul. I'm I'm using my gifts to give back and to serve and to heal and do preventative medicine. Like my grandfather said, and I am, I'm Dr. Taurus now. Right. Graduated. That's, and it's just, that's the way God works. Right. He knows our heart. Can you tell me? And he knows how he wants to use us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we don't always see it, you know, at that moment. And no. It, sometimes it I takes... didn't see it. Yeah. it. It wasn't until that, that classmate told me that. I went, <gasps> it was just like in a second. It was just realization. And just, and I just wanted to, you know, glorify God. And like, oh my gosh. All, those, all that time I was studying, it didn't, it didn't occur to me until she said that. Right. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. 
1988, when SeaWorld opened, you know, CBS mm-hmm. had a, a nationwide, you know, special that aired nationwide, and and yeah. you sang a song in it. I mean, was this your first like national exposure? Yes, and I found out I made history with that. It was the first time Tejano music had been performed on national and international television. And I couldn't believe it because the historian told me. And I said, but there's there was other Tejano artists, you know, Little Joe and... There was others because, yeah, but they never did Tejano music. Every time they had a chance, they did an English song or a country song. Yeah. They never did the genre of Tejano. I was the first. Then after that, I did it again before anyone could do it when I did the uh, International Star Search. Okay. They asked me to do the same song, so I did a Parasame on both of those shows. How did and that... On inter- huh? I'm sorry, like... Uh, how did that affect you know your career path in music? Did it did it change it at all in any way? Well, after I did that that second appearance, that's when I started doing my world touring, and was able to go to to Turkey and Spain and Greece and Italy and Germany and and Turkey. Uh, what was it? Uh, Philippines, uh, China. I mean, I traveled all over, and it was all as a result of being seen. And that's what I'm saying, that just the opportunities I've had to meet these wonderful people overseas. And, and I, everywhere I went, I would study the culture. I would learn a few words so that I could I could converse with them, you know, and, and, and be polite. And we would shop and we'd make friends and we'd, we'd go and sightsee. We'd try all the food, you know, we weren't afraid. I skydived when I was in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I jumped out of a plane twice. <laughs> Oh, wow. You talk about the importance of education, you know, and, and when you're you're motivating and inspiring, you know, these youth that you're able to connect with. But, you know, it seems like you truly believe it in your own life. And you said that your greatest accomplishment has been getting your education when you've been, you know, Tejano Music Award Female, Female Entertainment Era of the Year in 1987, you know, Billboard Magazine Top Female Tejano Singer of 1989. Uh, Nashville Network named you one of the most impressive female Tejano artists of your generation and so many more accolades and you know Tejano Roots Hall of Fame but yet your own education is what you hold or at least it seems to me that you hold that in your as your greatest achievement you know can you share with me why that's so? It's something that nobody can take your education away from you and education changes you It, it makes you see yourself different, you see others different, you see the world different. Because the fact is, we see the world as we are. And until education and knowledge opens up our eyes, we, we, don't, we don't really see the real world. And I can't even say I still see it. I'm, I'm still learning. Uh, Gandhi, you know, the famous Gandhi, uh, there's a quote that I, I love that he said. He said, live like you're going to die tomorrow. Learn like you're going to live forever. So I was, if I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn something again and again. And, you know, I'm not going to just stop learning. We're mm-hmm. meant to learn. That's the kind of animals we are. We're not like, we, we've got these brains that we're supposed to keep feeding them with knowledge and then share that knowledge. 
lift other people up with your knowledge. That that was something Plato always talked about, lifting up others. When, that it's your responsibility. When you have knowledge, you know something, educate other people and lift them up so that they can be more successful. Is there a one particular person, you know, that, that maybe you spoke to at their school when they were a youth and then they somehow connected with you as an adult and, and just how you somehow changed, you know, their life for the better? Yeah, I, I received so many letters and then one day I get a call from Harvard and they call me and they said uh, they would like me to go speak at Harvard. Wow. And I said, okay. So I talked to the, the president of the Hispanic uh, club at Harvard, and he goes, I saw you when you came to my school when I was in high school, and you inspired me that I could be whatever I wanted, and I could, I could, I could, you know, go far with education. So she goes, I worked hard, I got a scholarship. He goes, I'm here at Harvard now, I'm the president of the first Hispanic club, and I want you to come and talk to my friends here like you talked to me back when I was in high school and I want to thank you and kids know I mean they know when someone's being genuine and being honest and and not just feeding them oh you know be good kids don't do drugs you know they you can. are so right they and they always they always told me that that they they could see through everyone else and that in fact I just last week I spoke it had to be zoom because they weren't allowed I, I can't go to their facility. They're still on lockdown. Okay. It's a detention center for kids between 15 and 17, and some of them are murderers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're there for very serious things, and I spoke to about 30 of them on Zoom, and they were just, they were so gracious and so grateful and responsive, and they want me back, <laughs> you know, on Zoom. They want me to go see them. I want to go see them. You know, so I, I was delighted that I could, that I could at least reach him because I was concerned because Zoom, you know, it's so impersonal. Right. And I, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll get through to them. But thanks God I did. I know you're working on a, a new album, I believe, but can we talk about the you know, the last one that came out? It was uh, Dame Tu Corazon? Yes. And I guess more specifically, you know, the that Noticias uh, Falsas song, you know, what, what inspired that for you? Well, I think you got a hint when I was talking about <laughs> how bad it was uh, about the way the internet is when mm-hmm. you know when we had the lockdown and there was no more performances, no more practicing with my band. You know, everything was on lockdown, and I'm not, I'm the kind of person I gotta keep doing stuff. You know, so I, I, at the time I was like, I didn't even think about doing an album at that time when things were getting locked down, but I started looking at the news, just first on television, Mm -hmm. saying, wait a minute, I see this on this channel, and I change it to this channel, whoa, they're saying completely different, what's going on here? (laughs) So fake news started there, just on television, so then I got on the internet, it's like, "Uh uh-oh, what is going on here? Then Facebook, Instagram, I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, I, I would have to search and search to get to the truth. I said, man, this fake news, and it, I got mad. And I started writing the Dices Falsas. Amigos míos, hay algo que debo decirles. Aunque los medios nos dan información, la ira es 
está creciendo diariamente por noticias falsas con historias de ficción. It's up for song of the year right now. I didn't release it until last year, but it was on that album. It's actually about politicians <laughs> okay. because they're the snakes. You know, they do their little dance and their little, their little, their little talk with their little fork tongue, mm -hmm. and it's like they literally put people in trances and, and they they copy them and they believe them. It's like a cult. So that's what Baila Como La Calavera, but then I made it fun dance and Actually, I'm making a dance to it. It's going to be on TikTok in the next couple weeks, um, just for fun. But what actually prompted me to write it was that. So then I wrote Dame Tu Corazón, Cumbia, and then I wrote a song about my father, Papacito Mio. And I said, wait a minute, I have enough to start writing an album. So I just, boom, I hit it and was able to finish the album in time. And that was the result of Dame Tu Corazón. And I did everything on it. I did I did the cover, I did the arrangement, I did the everything on it. Tell me about the, um, the, the, the voting. How can people go and, you know, vote for you for the Tejano Music Award for this year? Well, I humbly ask for their votes. They just go to, to uh, TejanoMusicAwards.com and it'll direct you to, uh, I think it's up in the corner, you click on it, and it says uh, Public Voting. And you click on that, and that's they'll ask information because they want to make sure people aren't voting a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. They'll ask your name, your address, your email, and a phone number. And then once you do that, it lets you in, and then you can vote. And I'm on the very first category, Song of the Year, Baila Como La Culebra. All right. By Patsy Torres. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, um... You know, talking about, you know, your heritage and where you come from, it's a very personal thing. So thank you so much for, for talking about it. Oh, yeah. Like I said, everyone should be proud, proud of their heritage. I mean, you're you're a walking, talking human being, doing, trying to follow your destiny. And, and you know, we're, we're God's children and we need to be proud of who we are. I mean, he, he made us here. We're here for a reason. We just have to try to get on that road we're meant to be on because when we get off it, that's when there's friction. Once you're on the road, you know, it, it's so different. You know, once that purpose is there ahead of you. Mm -hmm.